0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد. So we now in the chapter regarding what has come of the covenant of Allah and the covenant of His Prophet. The Shaykh says, the suitability of this chapter in this book, Kitab al-Tawheed, regarding the covenants, is, أَنَّا <inaudible> نَقْضَ Breaking your covenants, within that is a deficiency in Tawheed. Breaking your covenants within that is a deficiency in Tawheed. لأنه يدل على عدم احترام عهد الله because that indicates a lack of respect for the covenant of Allah. ومن لم يحترم عهد الله فإن هذا يدل على نقص توحيده and whoever does not respect the covenant of Allah, then it indicates a deficiency in his tawheed. The first ayah which is mentioned here, وَقَوْلُهُ تَعَالَىٰ وَأَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ إذا عاهدتم Tanqudu al-aymana baada Fulfill the covenant of Allah after you make that covenant. And do not break your covenants after they have been established. Awfu, fulfill your covenants. This is a command in the ayah. Awfu bi ahdillah. Fulfill the covenant of Allah, meaning, Al-Mithaqullahi yu'aqadu al nas, the covenants that are made between people, wa adafahu ila nafsihi idafata But these covenants that are made between people, Allah mentioned them attached and associated to Himself, indicating the greatness of this affair that a covenant, a trust is developed or made rather, a trust is made upon an issue, a covenant is made upon an issue between the people, then that trust and that covenant should not be broken. The one who does that has indicated a deficiency in his Tawheed because here Allah has attached those covenants to himself. Indicating the greatness and the value of them And the honor for them عاهدتم, Fulfill your covenants When you make a covenant Meaning when one side makes a covenant To the other side Two people make that treaty That trust That covenant Then you must fulfill it وَهَذَا يَشْمَلْ أَلَّذِي the covenant between yourself and your Lord. وَالْأَحْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَبَيْنَ الكفار, And the covenant that may be between yourself and the disbelievers. وَيَشْمَلْ الْأَحْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَ وَلِيَ أَمْرِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَبَيْنَ الرعية. And the covenant, the trust that exists between the ruler and his people. The covenant they have one to another. وَيَشْمَلْ الْأَحْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَ أَفْرَادِ النَّاسِ بعضهم مع بعض. And also the covenants that are made between the normal people, the trusts and the covenants that are made between the normal people, then this is also from the covenants that enter into this. So all of these promises, these covenants, these trusts that are made between the people, then they must be fulfilled. لِأَنَّ نَقْضَ الْعُهُودِ مِنْ علامات المنافقين. Because breaking those covenants, breaking that trust, is from the signs of the hypocrites. Breaking the covenants and the trusts is from the signs of the hypocrites. The Prophet sallallahu mentioned in a hadith ayatul munafiq thalath the signs of a hypocrite are three things the signs of a hypocrite are three things when he speaks he lies lying is from the signs of the hypocrites it is not a characteristic of the muslims إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبْ وَإِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفْ And if he makes a promise, he breaks the promise. That is from the signs of a hypocrite. It is not from the way of a Muslim. That when you make a promise, you break it. That is not from the characteristic of a Muslim. It is from the characteristics of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. فَنَقْضُ الْعُهُودِ مِنْ صِفَاتِ الْمُنَافِقِينَ breaking these promises, these covenants, these treaties, it is from the signs of the hypocrites. وَالْوَفَاءِ بِالْعُهُودِ مِن صِفَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And fulfilling these covenants is from the characteristics of the believers. Fulfilling them is from the characteristics of the believers. So Allah said in the ayah, وَلَا الْإِيمَانُ Do not break your covenants. Do not break these trusts. After they have become established, they have become settled, the treaty, the covenant has been made, then do not break those covenants thereafter. ...rather fulfill the covenants... ...even if that covenant be with the kuffar. And this is... ...an important point to note... ...because the khawarij... ...and their likes... ...do not implement this. And this is why you see their deficiency... ...in understanding the religion. They claim it is permissible... ...for you to kill the disbelievers... ...in the lands of the Muslims. And they target the disbelievers in certain times and in certain events that they engage in. But those disbelievers, they are living in those lands of the Muslims under a covenant. They are living under a covenant, under a trust, a treaty, an agreement, living there under the safety of that country. It is haram to break that covenant and to attack and to kill So you see how the extremists, the khawarij, the takfiris, they do not honor the texts of the Quran and the sunnah in understanding and practicing them. So they do not look at this in terms of the fulfillment of the covenants. Those non-Muslims living in the Muslim lands have a covenant with the Muslim land, living there in safety, working, doing what they do. It is haram to transgress upon them. This chapter indicates that so then, this chapter is therefore highlighting the importance of fulfilling those covenants. That ayah highlights very clearly in the Quran the command to fulfill the covenants when those covenants are made. Then, wa an ibn al-Husayb al-Aslami, the famous companion, he said, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا امر اميرا على جيش اوصاه بتقوى الله وبمن معه من المسلمين خيرا when the prophet وسلم, he used to appoint a commander for the battalion that he was sending out a subsection of his army. When he was sending out a subsection of his army, a battalion, he would appoint a leader from amongst them for that battalion when they were sent out. Or the army, if the whole army was sent out and he wasn't going himself, then he would appoint a person to be the leader for that army or for that battalion that was being sent out. And this is something which is a must, a battalion, an army that is being sent out, then there must be an amir. there must be a leader of that army that they return back to and that they uh, fix whatever issues arise, any events that occur through that leader that is appointed upon that battalion or that army. So this leadership is something which is mentioned in the sunnah. Not the chaos that you see from the people. And again, a refutation of the khawaris and the takfiris. When you see them with all of their different groups and their factions and everyone claiming to be the party of truth. And in reality, none of them have an Amir that they are fighting under. None of them have any true unity. It is every group for themselves, every person claiming leadership for himself, fighting each other, killing each other. So that way of those extremists is not the way of Islam. Rather, the Prophet Wasallam used to appoint one leader for them upon them. So, when the Prophet Wasallam used to do that, he used to advise the leader who he placed upon that battalion or army would advise him with taqwa to have fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to have fear in terms of fulfilling the commandments staying away from the prohibitions in fulfilling that which is uh, obligatory upon him so then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would command that leader to have taqwa to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fulfill the obligations. Stay away from the prohibitions. And to not engage in any act that is haram or impermissible. But rather to fulfill the covenant and fulfill what is upon them in terms of the rights of the religion. in even that battalion or what they are engaging in. And Allah mentioned this many times in the Quran regarding having the taqwa. Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ O oh people, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنِ اتَّقَى اللَّهُ فَهُوَ أَشْرَفُ النَّاسُ So whomsoever fears Allah, then he is the most honorable of the people. Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, Inna akramakum عند Allah أَتْقَاكُمْ The most honorable of you amongst Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most, is the most fearing, meaning the one with the most taqwa. The most honorable person is the one with the greatest taqwa. That is the honor with Allah. The honor does not come by a person having money. The honor does not come from a person having good lineage and high status in his family and society. The honor comes from the taqwa that a person has. From the fulfillment of the obligations upon him. Staying away from the prohibitions, fearing the punishment of Allah. Having this taqwa is what determines the honor of a person with Allah. Hence, in the other hadith, it mentions, "Inna Allah la Allah doesn't look at your appearances. Allah doesn't look at your appearance, your physical appearance, but rather, "Wala'kin yanzur." Rather, He looks in or He looks to your hearts What is in your heart In terms of your taqwa And thereafter the actions That you perform upon that taqwa Not your physical appearance How your face looks like Beautiful or not beautiful That will not be the judge Or the criteria for your honor Your honor will be the taqwa That you are upon The fearing of Allah And fulfilling the commandments وَبِمَنْ مَعَهُ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ خَيْرًا And the Prophet ﷺ used to command and advise the other Muslims who were with him in the battalion with goodness. بِمَنْ مَعَهُ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ تَحْتَ مِنَ He would advise the leader to be good to those under his authority. To be good to those under his authority in that battalion. بِأَنْ يَنْصَحَ لَهُمْ That he advises them وَيَتَوَلَّى أَمْرَهُمْ And he looks after their affairs وَيُدَبِّر شُؤُونَهُمْ And he takes care of what is occurring and what needs to be done وَيَنْظُرُ فِي مَصَالِحِهِمْ And he looks into uh, what is beneficial for them and what will be a good result for them وَيُحِلُّ مَشَاكِلَهُمْ And he solves their problems وَيَرْفُقُ بِهِمْ And he is gentle with them فَلَيْسَتِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ مسألة إمارة فقط أو نيل مرتبة فقط أو نيل لقب. so being the Amir it was not simply a status thing it was not simply having that status having that authority having that rank that was not the reality of the Amir the Amir that was appointed by the Prophet upon these battalions had a great responsibility upon him and that responsibility was advised by the Prophet sallallahu sallam as mentioned in this narration. So then, the Prophet sallallahu sallam would say to them, اغزوا بسم الله في سبيل الله قاتلوا, قاتلوا من كفر بالله. The Prophet sallallahu would say, go forth. اغزوا, meaning go forth into battle. Bismillah. In the name of Allah. Meaning, seeking aid and assistance from Allah. In the name of Allah, i.e. seeking aid and assistance in Allah. fi sabirillah In the path of Allah. Meaning again, another refutation of the khawar is the takfiris and their likes. This type of activity occurs in the path of Allah. Desiring to raise the banner of tawheed. It is not performed in the manner that they perform what they perform in desiring land and authority and for their tribe to have the leadership and for economic power and oil and whatever it may be. Rather, these activities occur to raise the banner of Allah, the banner of Tawheed. and الْغَزُّ لَا يَكُونُ not for kingdom for power or for wealth or التسلط على الناس, or to have authority and power over people, That is the way of the people of Jahiliyyah. That is what they used to fight for. But the battalion or the battle which occurs upon those disbelievers, it is for their own good. It is for their own good. It is not for any benefit of revenge. It is not for revenge. That is what a Sheikh al-Fawzan mentioned here. It is not for revenge. But what do you see the ikhwanis saying every week in their khutbah? Look what the kuffar have done to us and what the kuffar have done to us and what the kuffar have done to us. So we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do this. It is not about revenge. It is not about revenge. Rather it is about raising the banner of Tawheed, the banner of Islam. But the Ikhwanis and the Takfiris and the Khawaris and their likes, that is something which they miss and they do not understand whatsoever. For them it is about the power, the authority, their tribes, their leadership, their nationalism, their revenge. These are the types of emotions that they stir. And that is all from that which opposes the religion and is not from the reality of the religion. Rather, it is for the raising, the raising of the banner of Tawheed, and to cause those people to see the reality of Islam, and for them to enter into Islam, to take that land out of darkness of kufr, and to enter it into the light of Tawheed. These are the benefits. قاتلوا من كفر بالله. Fight against those who disbelieve against Allah. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, أرزو ولا تغلوا. Fight and go forth. وَلَا وَلَا تَغْدِرُوا وَلَا وَلَا Here the Prophet ﷺ gives them the guidelines of what you cannot do. What you can do and what you cannot do. So وَلَا meaning do not take the war booty for yourself. Islamically, that war booty is organized. It is organized and collected and shared in an organized manner. So, wala don't just go and take war booty for yourself and start collecting things for yourselves. Taking that war booty like that is impermissible. And there's a punishment upon the one who basically steals the war booty for himself without the proper separation of that war booty thereafter. So, the Prophet ﷺ said, Do not take that war booty, that war bounty. وَلَا taghdiru وَلَا taghdiru meaning do not be treacherous do not be treacherous in your covenant and that is the purpose of all of this narration here this point where the Prophet said to them do not be treacherous do not betray your covenant if there is any covenant then do not go and betray that and attack and kill and do whatever do not betray and be treacherous to the covenants that you have with the people. The one whom you have a covenant with, then there is peace there, there is a treaty there, you leave that affair. Do not break the covenants. Then similarly, وَلَا methilu Another refutation of the khawar is the takfiris, ISIS and their likes. La methilu means do not disfigure, and mutilate. Do not disfigure and mutilate the people. That is not an Islamic practice. Neither in the proper jihad or anything, to mutilate the bodies and to disfigure the bodies, this was something prohibited. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا Yani يعني تشويه جثث القتلى. Don't mutilate the corpses of the, those who are killed. آذانهم, by cutting their ears off. أو أُنُوفِهِمْ أو cutting their noses off أو أَطْرَافِهِمْ cutting their arms and legs off هذا لا يجوز this is not permissible to dismember and mutilate those uh, opponents لأن جُثَّةَ الآدمي لَهَا because the corpse of a person the body of a person it has its it has its level of honor even the corpse of a kafir The corpse, the dead body now has a level of respect or honor attached to it. The corpse of the person now, he's dead. Gone to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accountability. That corpse now has its degree of respect. Even the kafir corpse. So you do not mutilate and disfigure and start chopping and burning and doing all these things that the khawaris and the takfiris and ISIS and those likes do on a regular basis casually. Again, it shows to you how they are far from the Correct religion of Islam If indeed they are even On the religion of Islam وَلَا And the Prophet ﷺ said Do not kill any young child The young children of the kuffar لَا مَعْنَاهُ الصَّغِير مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ لِأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ منه خطر على المسلمين. The young children They do not pose any threat They do not pose any threat So do not kill them أيضا المرأة من الكفار similarly the women do not attack because the women are not from those who are fighters وإنما الأطفال والنساء al Muslimin. rather they are taken in captivity but you do not go and kill children and women this is not from the way and the elderly old people either all of this the Prophet prohibited against prohibited from doing these things, yet the, 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 the takfiris, the khawaris in ISIS, do they make any distinction upon that? Not at all. They will kill the elderly in age, they will kill their children, they will do whatever, of Muslims, of non-Muslims all alike. So you see very clearly the misguidance of ISIS and those people upon the extremism. min al ila then the Prophet ﷺ said, when you come face to face, or you come across your enemy from the mushrikeen, then call them to three characteristics. Tell them they have three options. فَأَيَّتَهُنَّ مَا أَجَابُوكَ مِنْهُمَ If they agree to one of these three, then accept that from them and leave them. Firstly, أُدْعُهُمْ إِلَى Islam, Call them to Islam firstly to accept the religion of Islam and to enter into Al Islam. جَابُوكَ فَاقْبَلْ منهم, If they accept that, or if they positively respond to that, then accept that from them and leave them. ثُمَّ then also call them to leave their land and go to the land of the muhajirin, meaning Medina. To go and reside amongst the Muslims, amongst the muhajirin. And hijra is to leave the land of kufr and go to the land of Islam. That's the definition of hijrah. To leave the land of kufr and to go to the land of Islam. فَالْهِجْرَةَ سَارَتْ تُطْلَقُ عَلَى الْإِنْتِقَالِ مِنْ بِلَادِ الْكُفْرِ لِلَى بِلَادِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنْ أَجْلِ حِفْظِ الدِّينِ To move from a kafir country to a Muslim country for the sake of protecting your religion. That is hijra. And it is one of the greatest acts in Islam of obedience and And it is one of the greatest acts in Islam of obedience and worship that a person can do to protect his religion. And that hijrah is something which is established and upright and will continue to be so all the way up until the establishment of the hour. فَإِنْ أَبَوْ نَعْمْ So say to them, go and move to the muhajirin. وَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ إِنْ فَعِلُوا ذَلِكَ فَلَهُمْ مَا لِلْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَعَلَيْهِ مَا عَلَى الْمُهَاجِرِينَ And if they do that, then they are equal to the muhajirin. They have what they have and they have what is upon them. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنْ أَبَعُوا But if they refuse أن يتحولوا منها To move from there فَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ يَكُونُونَ كَأَعْرَابِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Then tell them they will be like the bedouins of the Muslims. يَجْرِي عَلَيْهِمْ حُكْمُ الله. The ruling of Allah is applicable upon them. وَلَا يَكُونُ لَهُمْ فِي الْغَنِيمَ وَالْفَئِشَيْءِ And they will not have anything from the war booty or from the, the Muslim uh, trust. The Muslim central funds as you may call it these days in the terminology. The Muslim wealth. That they do not have a share from that. إِلَّا أَن يُجَاهِدُوا مَعَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Unless they uh, make the jihad alongside the Muslims also. فَإِنْهَمْ أَبَوْ But even if they refuse that. If they refuse that option even. فَاسْأَلْهُمُ الْجِزْيَةِ Then request from them the jizya what you say now, tax. فَإِنْ أَجَابُوكَ فَاقْبَلْ مِنْهُمْ So if they accept that, they accept to give that taxation, then accept that from them and leave them and do not do anything to them. So this is what is mentioned. الجزية مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ بِنَصِّ الأية. In the Quran, it mentions about taking the jizya from the people of the book clearly. Clearly mentions about taking the jizya from the people of the book. The Majans, the Majus, again it is mentioned in the Sunnah about taking jizya from them. And the Khulafa, Al Khulafa Al Rashidun used to do that. What about the rest of the Mushrikeen, other types of Mushrikeen? Is the jizya applicable upon them also or not? There is a difference between the scholars. Al-Qawlul Awwal, the first opinion, which is the opinion of imam Malik and the opinion of Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, that it is to be taken, the jizya, from every type of kafir, regardless of what type of kufr he is upon, whatever religion he is upon, as long as it is kufr, every type of kafir, the jizya, is applicable upon him. The second opinion that the jizya is only to be taken from the mushrikeen of the non-Arabs. Jizya is only applicable upon the mushrikeen who are non-Arabs. As for the mushrikeen who are Arabs, jizya is not applicable. For them, it is either Islam or death. That is an opinion of some of the scholars. (laughs) Al-Imam Abu Hanifa had that opinion. Al al thalith the third opinion, is that the jizya is only from the people of the book and the majus. Because they are the ones mentioned in the Quran and the sunnah specifically. People of the book, Jews and Christians, and majus. They are mentioned specifically in the Quran and in the Sunnah. So the third opinion of some of the scholars like Imam Shafi'i, Imam Ahmed, is that it is only from them. Jews, Christians, Majus. Those types of people you can take jizya from, other types of Mushrikin no. That is an opinion of some of the scholars. And this issue really it is in the books of fiqh. When you look into the books of fiqh, they give you all of the details regarding that issue and the opinions regarding it. What is the wisdom in taking this, what you call tax? It is because, in return, those disbelievers are given safety and security. They are given safety and security. They remain under the rule of Islam, living in the land of Islam, and they are allowed to remain upon their religion of shirk as long as they give the taxation. But why? What's the benefit in that? Because they are allowed to stay there amongst the Muslims, seeing Islam, witnessing Islam, mixing with the Muslims. So perhaps that will still be a benefit for them in the long run. So allow the taxation from them and to leave them to stay, not accepting Islam yet. But by allowing them to stay, taking the taxation, they are staying, mixing, living, seeing Islam. So maybe that will still impact upon them. So this indicates again the mercy of Islam upon them. They can remain. Give the taxation and they remain. And perhaps, for some of them, they see what Islam is and they mix with the Muslims living in the land under the safety and the security of Islam. Perhaps that impacts upon them in the future also. فَإِنْهُمْ أَبَوْ And if they refuse everything, they don't accept a single thing of these options given to them. wa Then seek aid and assistance in Allah and fight against them. وإذا حاصرت أهل حسن فأرادوك أن تجعل لهم الله وذمة نبيه فلا تجعل لهم الله وذمة نبيه ولكن يجعل لهم أصحابك فإنكم تخفروا ذمةكم أصحابكم أهون من أن تخفروا الله نبيه. then he mentions if you were to encompass and surround one of their citadels one of their castles, one of their fortresses. If you were to go around one of those, Aradu, and they wanted to make some type of covenant, covenant of Allah and the covenant of the messenger for them. Then do not make that type of covenant for them. Do not make the covenant of Allah and the covenant and the messenger upon them because of the possibility of these mushrikeen breaking that covenant and showing a lack of respect to it so do not give them the covenant of Allah and the covenant of the messenger فَإِنَّكُمْ أَصْحَابِكُمْ أَهُولَ مِنَ dimmat اللَّهِ so because if you were to break the covenant of the companions the covenant you give them that is less in severity than breaking the covenant to Allah or the covenant to his messenger then it mentions, "وَإِذَا حَاصَرْتَ أَهْلَ حِسْنٍ أَنْ تُنْزِلَهُمْ عَلَى حُكْمِ اللَّهِ فَلَا تُنْزِلْهُمْ عَلَى حُكْمِ اللَّهِ عَلَى حُكْمِكَ فَإِنَّكَ لَا تَدْرِي أَتُصِيبُ فِيهِمْ حُكْمَ اللَّهِ أم لا. And if you encompass and surround them, and they want you to uh, place upon them the rule of Allah, then do not place upon them that rule. يَعَنِي عَلَى اِجْتِهَادِكْ تَقُول لَهُمْ أَنَا أَجْتَهِدْ فِيكُمْ فِي الْحُكُمَ الَّذِي أَرَىٰ أَنَّهُ وصواب. Say, rather I will rule upon you with the ruling that is appropriate to you that I see as fit upon you. So if you are right, then it is from Allah. And if you are wrong, then it is your ijtihad and it is not attributed to Allah. Because you do not know whether you will be correct in how you uh, make your ijtihad to deal with them or not. The point of all of that narration was that central section which highlighted very clearly the advice of the Prophet Sallallahu Do not betray or be treacherous to your covenants with them. Despite this being in the context of jihad even, still the Prophet Sallallahu saying in that context, even in that context, do not betray and do not be treacherous in your covenants. So what do we learn from this? Chapter... We learn the impermissibility of breaking the covenants. Allah said in the Quran, fulfill the covenants and do not break them after they have been established. And this is all types of covenants, all types of promises, covenants, whatever they may be. Any covenant that you make, a promise that you make, a trust that you have, then you fulfill, and you do not break those covenants thereafter. Secondly, there were other points of benefit like appointing an amir on the battalions and all of the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave regarding those uh, battles. Do not kill the children, do not kill the women, do not kill the elderly. This is the way of Islam. But what you see from these extremists and terrorists is their ignorance or their purposeful negligence of these rulings of Islam following their own desires of what they want to do in their killing and in their bloodshed. And so you see them stray far away from the reality of Islam. Hence, some of the scholars have said that they are not even upon Islam. We'll do the next chapter too. It is only one narration. Baab ma ja'a fil إqsami Allah. The chapter regarding taking an oath upon Allah. Oh, naam, taking an oath upon Allah, saying that certainly Allah will not do this or do that. Narration of Jundub ibn Abdillah, رضي الله عنه قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, قال رجل, a man said one time, Wallahi لا يغفر الله لفلان, by Allah, Allah will never forgive such and such. Such and such, whoever he was, was upon sin and error. So a man said, by Allah, Allah will never forgive that person. فقال Allah, so Allah mentioned, من ذا الذي يتألا عليّ? Who is the one who has this type of authority? He thinks that he can make a vow in the name of Allah saying, I will not forgive for such and such. I have forgiven that person and I have put your deeds to waste. I have forgiven that person and put your deeds to waste. So, this chapter is regarding taking an oath. In the name of Allah, that Allah will not do this or will not do that. Al-Iqsaam al Allah, it can have two meanings. Firstly, what we mentioned just there now, taking an oath upon Allah, Allah will not forgive this one or that one. Secondly, that it could be, that it could be, that it could al that it could be, that it could be, that it could be, that it could be, وَقَدْ جَاءَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ إِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَوْ أَقْسَمَ اللَّهِ But if the person takes an oath upon Allah that by Allah Allah will do this and will do that in good hope from Allah, then that is something which is allowable, doing that in good hope of Allah, that Allah would do this and Allah would do that, Allah will aid the servants. But in this narration it is the opposite where this man said, by Allah Allah will not forgive such and such. A man said, And the meaning of this, a man said is, meaning, not a man at the time of the Prophet but a man from the stories of history, from one of the nations gone by, a man. A story is being narrated from the nations that passed by. A man, at some point in some nation, he made this statement that by Allah, Allah will not forgive such and such. So this is an oath upon Allah that he will not do this goodness to this man and forgive him. Allah so Allah said who is the one who has this type of superiority or authority making this oath, oath saying that I will not forgive this person or that person? jalla so then Allah said indeed I have forgiven him because Allah is the one who forgives all of the sins and he is the one who allows a person to seek forgiveness and to seek repentance. And we know the narration Inna illa that maybe one of you does the actions of the people of paradise until there is nothing between you and it, other than a handspan, but then the decree overcomes you and you do evil and end up in the hellfire. And maybe one of you does the actions of the hellfire until nothing remains except an armspan, but then the decree overcomes you and you do the action of Tawheed and into paradise. So Allah said, indeed I have forgiven him, but I have destroyed your actions for this false speech that you made, taking an oath upon Allah that he would not forgive. So in this narration we learn basically the impermissibility of taking an oath upon Allah that he would not do some goodness, that he would not do some forgiveness for a person like in this example. Also we learn the danger of the tongue. The danger the tongue can have that a person may make such a statement. And people they do, they say there is no way Allah would ever forgive such and such. How will Allah forgive him what he has done? People make these statements, but that is not correct. Maybe that person will repent and Allah will forgive him. So you cannot make statements of this nature. Such and such has done so many bad things. How could Allah ever forgive him? Allah will never forgive him. That is an incorrect type of statement to make and it is not correct at all. Allah gives success to the servants that they repent. And maybe that person at the end of his lifetime may repent. Hence the scholars they say even with the kuffar you do not or you have a type of double perception of a disbeliever. Yes you have one angle of perception he's upon kuffar you hate that. But you have another angle of perception that even though he's upon this kuffar and shirk that you hate Maybe one day before he dies, he may accept Islam. You never know. This one that you hate right now, upon all of this kufr he's upon, maybe this time next year, he's a Muslim praying alongside you. So you have that perception that he may change. But you have the current perception is upon his kufr and shirk and you hate all of that. So there is a balance. There is no outright hatred of that nature. And forgetting that this person, Allah may guide him in the future, you never know. So a person cannot take that type of statement upon Allah. That's what we'll conclude today. And we'll start with the next chapter, the final two or three chapters that remain. We'll attempt to conclude them in the next session or next couple of sessions insha'Allah. But certainly this section of the book, the whole of the book will be completed insha'Allah in the next couple of sessions, uh, two sessions, maybe three sessions at most. But certainly after Ramadan, then there will be something new, insha'Allah.